The WYSL stations bring you Jose Pio and Laval Lewis and your weekly dose of PCP. It's your hour of common sense with the politically correcting podcast and show. You got the power to let power go. Man, I don't know if this seat is too low or what, but I'm sitting in Jose's chair. <laughs> Reaching up to to the table, <laughs> peeking over the edge of the table, peeking folks, over, and now I see why <laughs> being short is hard. <laughs> we're, we're filling the tiny shoes of Jose Pio. Yes, we are. <laughs> he's and, and he's in a third world uh, hellhole, uh, having a little vacation. Yeah, I got a theory about his trip, Bob. Yeah, what's that? I really think that he's going to try and migrate his way back in. Get that new credit card that they're giving out the migrants down in New York City since they got 53 million cleared to give the migrants. I think Jose's trying to come back in as a migrant. Exactly. Why don't you get the pre, one of those prepaid credit cards? Get those prepaid cards, man. Why not? You know, oh he fit, he checks the boxes of a Latino. So he should be. Yeah, that's right. He should be good to go. He should be good to go. Oh, man. What well, we have. A wonderful opportunity still. We have to present a show to people who taken their time to tune in on Monday and Wednesdays to the Politically Correcting podcast, radio show. Yeah, I, I guess that's what you call it. Yeah. It's kind of like both, right? Yes. And we're doing it during Black History Month, the month that has been so overly politicized. And I say that probably... It's probably a good group of listeners to the show that's probably rolling their eyes because they're so tired of the identity politics that's been plaguing this country for quite some time. Mm. But yeah. I do I do see value in just the overall conversation of history. Um, for those that know me personally, they know history is a huge part of uh, who I am. They know that I come from a lineage or ancestral background that has actually committed or you know been a part of actual American history which I hope we soon change the the uh, conversation from just black history to American history because every part of history a white person was right there next to a black person creating that same amount of history that we kind of used today to divide us, I should say. And I remember um, an interview, Morgan Freeman, he said, he was uh, asked a question, well, how do you feel about black history? He said, well, nothing. So right. Talk about it. Yeah. That's a famous cut. Yeah. He, uh, he said, uh, what's, what's black history? What's black history? Yeah. What's black is this, history? Is there white history? Yeah, exactly. Is there a, is there a Jewish history? And and uh, was it Mike Wallace who was interviewing I, Or was it? Right. And, and Mike Wallace was thunderstruck. Yeah. He, he was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you mean? You're black. You're supposed to. You're supposed to represent black history. Um, but, you know, like I said before, the... The overall consciousness of today's um, American, you know, they've fallen victim to the the I would say the weaponized side of history and how they use it to manipulate us. And we have 
specific groups and organizations that have been created throughout time that has kind of used history to their advantage. And um, one in particular, I, I always attack the NAACP, and that's kind of where the show is going to go today. It's kind of like a, a a time machine, I should say, where we go back in time a little bit and compare the tactics of yesterday and today. Because, again, we got to make sure this show checks all the DEI boxes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Lavelle, because uh, I'd just like to inform everyone in the DEI department here at WYSL, Lavelle is black. So 100% black. 100, no, not, none of this, uh, like, uh, halfway stuff. Well, no, wait, I can't say 100% because I did do the Ancestry.com DNA test. Oh, yeah? I have 18% white in me. Two percent is two percent is Irish, and that's the most proudest part of what I'm claiming because I think it gives me ability to drink whiskey, no problem. And Which is what we're doing today, by the way. Exactly, because we can. <laughs> and thank you very much for what's this stuff called again? What it's, it's called? Contradiction. Contradiction. Yes, it's got a nice uh, Republican elephant on the logo. I think that's coincidental, but uh, and this is a bourbon blend. Yeah, really good. See, it's a number uh, numbered uh, uh, bottle. And it came from Tennessee. Here, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna raise one to you folks. Mm-hmm. Yep, and celebrate again the contributions of Black and White folks during this shortened month of Black History. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that going into into this, and I was talking about just organizations, and specifically, there's a lot of Black organizations that have been created throughout our history. Um, that I would say. Um, the people who were on the outside who had influence on these certain clubs and organizations used their money, power, and influence to shape the uh, the overall ideology of these of these groups, and one in particular NAACP. But here locally, we have some some foundations and groups that are led by you know groups and other other individuals that may seem well on surface, but they are still perpetuating the same divide and conquer tactics that a lot of the folks who don't who didn't want to see the rise of a black conservative Republican uh succeed, I should say. One in particular, Mr. Booker T. Washington, who has always been the the poster type child of one W. E. B. Du Bois's attacks on black conservatism and republicanism. And throughout just the dismantling of his leadership we've had so many black leaders come up and present themselves as leaders and saviors and and, and republican and democrat right specifically here locally we have some republican black leaders who claim to be you know strong and 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 100 percent conservative but their values are very they have a lot of hidden marxism within their um their viewpoints consider themselves futuristic republicans I, i've never heard of that before who said that i i you know what i'm gonna let that individual rise and continue to speak that rhetoric so people i i i'm there's a, a local person you say yeah, it's a local person but i'm a firm believer of easter eggs bobs yeah I, like i i don't absolutely i don't like to give you Everything wants to give you enough so you do your own research so that you won't just judge me off of what I'm saying. Well, to say the term again, what was it? Futurist 
Republican. Futurist Republican. Yeah. That's one of those infinitely malleable terms that (laughs) who the hell knows what it means. (laughs) Who the hell knows? Um, But I, I always direct people to the black Republicans of yesterday. In particular, J.W. Thompson, who is uh, my great-great-grandfather and who was a very, very strong, prominent black Republican leader here in this area of Monroe County, Rochester, New York. Very good friends with Frederick Douglass. Very, very good friends with Booker T. Washington. And my goal today as the black Republican bigot of the show. Yes, the BRB. The BRB is to kind of present this contrast between black Republicans of yesterday, black Republicans today, and also the black Democrats of today. And how a lot of those on the latter side of our political leaders are closet Marxists and communists. And that would be across party lines? Yes, across party lines. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course. And I think the threat... And and this is this what gives, I would say, uh, Pat Riley, the, the the current Monroe County chairman, um, he's got a challenge to to kind of seize the opportunity today of the movement that's going on within the the Republican side of new black male voters, the the male the men are coming over to the Republican Party. Really, yes. and and you see evidence of this? I do. Uh, the evidence, once you see MSNBC and, and NBC, they lead with that story. It's true. They're mm. like, they're and, like, hey. Aren't they, aren't they like the uh, world-class opportunists, though? They are. But when they're afraid, when they think that, that SHI, you know what, is going to hit the fan, mm-hmm. oh, they will, they will sound the alarm. But, you know, again, when people like myself— when I speak the truth, when I, you know, speak the story of my great great grandfather and the work that he's done, and just trying to help people understand that Black Republicans always were a part of the conversation. Uh, black Republicans should be recognized for implementing certain amendments. When you say that, the folks within your own party will attack you, and it's very fitting that you play this song right here because. There's a lot of backstabbers within our Republican Party. No. And, oh, come on. <laughs> Seriously? Bob. <laughs> they're all over. They're all over. So World's, world's uh, you know, the world's second oldest profession. Right. Y'all know the number, 585-346-3000. I'm here. Bob's here. We're sipping on some nice whiskey bourbon listening to the OJs. Call us up. What they do? quality of life we deserve in truth and freedom informed by our constitution our laws and traditions we need to pick the best leaders possible recent experience certainly illustrates that free and accurate elections are essential if we're going to restore our society and safeguard our rights new york citizens audit is a volunteer nonpartisan group which has been lobbying for open source audits of the state board of elections and reform of the electoral process statewide did you know citizens audit has uncovered over one million felony violations of election law that in 
2020, there were 625,000 more voter registrations than existing voting age citizens in just six New York counties, that there were 338,000 more votes cast than voters who voted. These are just a few shocking examples of the urgent need for reform. You can help. Visit AuditNY.com and learn the facts, how to volunteer, and make a difference in your community. Again, volunteer, donate, or spread the word. Start at AuditNY.com. That's AuditNY.com. Youth for Christ Rochester needs to grow. Our kids are telling us they don't feel safe in their neighborhoods or rec centers, and they're asking us to be open more. And thanks to your support, we will. We're adding a weeknight and Saturday mornings to our basketball program. We're adding a second Arts Academy Friday night. And we're adding a second P31 girls class on Saturdays. But we need your help. $25 per month funds a kid for a year. Give your best gift to yfcrochester.org slash donate. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Politically correcting. How you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah, it's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, ooh, 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 ooh. and I'm feeling good. Definitely feeling good after that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you must let Nina Simone breathe when she's, when she's doing her thing. You do not interrupt Nina Simone. No, don't you talk do over Nina. Exactly. That's why I waited to bring Keith in because uh, I'm pretty sure he would have interrupted Nina for sure. Keith, I appreciate you. <laughs> What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm a gentleman. I, I like that music. There you the, go. Uh, well, the, the problem is, is, is uh, having it introduced to people and being familiar with it. So, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, you, even you as a, uh, a black Republican still come up with the uh, uh, complaint to say it that we were given the short shrift of the month of February for our black history month. <laughs> Well, I didn't I didn't mean it like that. Honestly, I am not in full support of uh, pretty much, you know, delegating an entire month to black history. Black history is 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 really a part of American history. That's my thing. So we should be talking about our history together to kind of, you know, get rid of this divisiveness. That's my point. All right. Uh, A number of things uh, before I'm uh, jettisoned here. Uh, Morgan Freeman's uh, response to, um, well, what do you, uh, what, am I supposed to make a big deal, me, a, a black guy, about, uh, in this case, black history? I think his was more uh, a, a, a disdain that many Americans have for history, period. Americans are often looked upon, of course, as a forward-looking people and don't care that much about history. I'm one of those rare American birds who love history. Other 
countries and cultures around the, the world revere history, certainly when it comes to their ancestor worship, but many Americans could care less about history. They, they simply move on that quickly. Um, and before I go on, uh, when I was young and reading uh, comic books, there was, a, I guess, a so-called hero with the name of Doc Savage. So I don't know if the doctor there <laughs> ever looked up Doc Savage. I'm familiar um, with him. All right. Uh, I think he came out of the fifth. Uh, in one sentence, fast synopsis, what was Doc Savage all about in your estimation? Oh, me? I didn't read much of it. I'm just aware of him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you well, got to uh, fill us in here, Keith. Right. Well, let me ask you, Keith, because what you said is, is important because you say Americans kind of move on and don't care about their history. Can you kind of speak to the fact that that's why a lot of stuff repeats itself? over and over within politics and decisions that our politicians make for us? Uh, well, I don't know if this will answer your question. Uh, in the heyday, when the Japanese car companies were coming on strong, there was the old mantra that uh, Americans can barely think 10 minutes ahead, whereas <laughs> the Japanese were always thinking 10 years ahead. And I, I think that's what derails American politics right there. Many Americans are loathe to really think ahead in a way that other cultures do. If the, Chinese, the Chinese beat us out, uh, it's because starting, coincidentally, in my birth year of 1955, they came up with a plan they called the 100-Year Marathon, where they're going to overtake us. They are long and patient, whereas mm. Americans are very impatient. So hence, we think only a little bit ahead, whereas like Asian cultures, they think centuries ahead and they're playing chess where we're just playing little old checkers and, and we're short-sighted too keith yeah yeah well, well, uh, i wanted the to art of war the right the art of war by uh sun Tzu. yeah uh you mentioned uh pat riley the new uh, republican leader uh, i'm noticing unfortunately this is going to be his fight fight uphill uh that uh even amongst republicans there's a, a liberalizing going on there yeah, the, the old maxim that no Democrat is a Republican, but, oh, many enough Republicans are Democrats. Mm. Uh, I would ask in closing, do the two of you not see a, a liberalizing even amongst Republicans and so even some conservatives who say oh, they are conservatives? Yeah. So, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> That's Keith, let me ask you, how many members of the Freedom Caucus are there in Congress? Oh, uh, let's say 25. Yeah, that's mm. not very many. Mm -mm. And uh, all, the, all those, that's why whether it was uh, Kevin McCarthy or the new guy, Mike Johnson, there are about, what I'm going to call in that uh, Republican Congress, about 60 turncoat that mm. both McCarthy and Johnson have to deal with. That's why like, they, they can't get a, a, a proper vote like to... Um, impeach Mayorkas. We, we've got uh, even traitors within our own ranks. But that's that's the concern in closing, is the liberalizing even amongst Republicans. And if we go that route, you could kiss goodbye the Republican Party. Absolutely, Keith. Thank you very much. And you just, you helped me out with my kind of going back to what, thanks for the call, going back to my point about certain Republicans who claim to be futuristic or futurist Republicans where they're okay with the redistribution of wealth. They're okay with universal, um, uh, what do they call it, universal wages where you just get paid for existing all out of fear of their inability to compete based off of 
artificial intelligence and what have you. And and that's just not one individual. There's other other folks who don't want to see any type of true growth or 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 organization for a traditional Republican black leadership uh, just to be able to announce on this show, which. Uh, I think this is a great announcement. I am. I was elected as the president of the Black Republican Club here in Monroe County. Uh, good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what we do with it and what, what did, happens yeah, what, next. What, what's that mean? It, it really depends on the people within the club and if they see just the the overall, if they understand their, their importance and role within just uh, educating people on what it means to be a conservative Republican. Uh, I come from I my ideology, my thinking, my thought process comes from the Booker T. Washington. Pull yourself on the bootstrap days. I do not align in any way, shape, or form with W.E.B. Du Bois and that ideology that came within the NAACP um, organization. Which again, within this show, we will definitely touch upon them. And speaking to what we were talking about, just how we like to move on from history, but if we don't understand the true facts of what's going on, we will always fall victim to being manipulated and used as pawns within this grand scheme of things. So simple as a football game and what happens before the Super Bowl is on its way. Yes, it is. And you as a Bills fan, Bob, I know you're not rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. I understand. You would be wrong if you said that. Uh, well, I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm absolutely gonna root for the Chiefs. Oh, you are rooting for the Chiefs. You got it. Oh, there we go. Okay, there you go. That's my. That's probably my number two team. Prove me wrong, then. Well, you didn't feel bad then that after what happened to them. <laughs> to no. the Bills. Well, well, listen. I mean, first and foremost, the Bills, obviously. <laughs> but if I, if the Bills are gone, uh, I'll I'll uh, root for the Chiefs. Well, I, I'll I will. Take you, I will just, I will take you up on that and correct myself. Rooting for the Chiefs, but the national anthem is the biggest issue that a lot of people have a problem with. There's going to be two national anthems, yeah, sung. One is supposed to be quote unquote the Black national anthem, and then of course you have the United States national anthem, right? Uh, but I say this just to only try and educate us. You have to know the story of how the overall song came about. The song I'm talking about, the Black National Anthem. Uh, and the name of the song is called Lift Every Voice. Instead of taking it from me, the black guy, I'd rather have you listen to Glenn Beck and just a little short clip of his explanation of how he feels about the quote-unquote Black National Anthem. There at the game uh, was the first time at the Super Bowl we got the Black National Anthem. And this is. Please been, don't call it that. Well, I'm going to call it that. It says right here on the story Black National Anthem performance. It's actually called Lift Every Voice and Sing. It was called the Black National Anthem by the NAACP in the 19. It was actually called the Negro National Anthem in 1920. Um, and then in the 60s, it was reintroduced again. Now it has been reintroduced a third time as a protest song. This song was written. Uh, 1899, written by James Johnson. He was a Republican uh, platform guy, Hmm. Um, and he was also a poet and a writer. So he wrote this for Abe Lincoln's birthday, okay? Republican president. Republican president, Mm -hmm. written by a Republican in honor of 
all the people that Abraham Lincoln uh, saved, okay, it is, I think it's better than our national anthem. I love this song. As a song. As a song. I love it. But it's, it's insulting to black people, just like if I said the Star Spangled Banner was the white national anthem. It's not. It's not. It's for Americans, This is not our national anthem, and it's an insult to say, to attach any color to a national anthem. Thank you. You're saying that black people want their own country? This is something that has been discredited over and over and over again throughout our history. Yeah, it's because they're Americans. It's interesting because I, I think like conservatives hear black national anthem and think, they're trying to separate us. They're tr- this is some woke they attempt. Are. And it is. How- so just that alone, hearing someone from that's not black kind of give their overall assessment of the song. But when you listen to the arguments today from the right it doesn't align with Glenn Beck it's more about anger like there's only one national anthem and we as a society and country how can we have any type of dialogue and say wait a minute no that's not it more to come politically correcting with Lavelle and Noah Jose today Politically correcting. This is nice. Yeah. John Coltrane. It's what happens when the host leaves? We <laughs> right. We turn into adults. When the boss is away. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. Um, Mike, well, the- we got Mike calling in from Rochester. What's going on, my man? Hey, LaBelle, Dr. Savage. Um, I, I love your tone about um, reaching out mm-hmm. to uh, members of, of the, the, the other, you know, um, non-Republicans. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to reach out to the young men. And, re- and, you know, not just, you know, Republican, Democrat, more of a conservative values. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, it, I, I, you know, I, I think that a lot of them have fallen through the cracks just because, you know, no manly influences in our house. And, you know, everything going on in the world, um, I, I, I commend you on one, wanting to reach out. I think as conservatives, we really re- need to reach out to these, to everybody, mm-hmm. convert them over to, you know, realizing, hey, wait a minute, you've been lied to all these years. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right, uh, Mike, when you, when you see um, – the conservative values on paper and you understand that the overall foundation, it, it involves the man leading his household and his ability to, um, you know, use his faith as well, you know, well within religion to kind of keep that family unit together. When we talk about a lot of the things that happened throughout history, especially going back to the early 1900s and also up to the civil rights movement, the dismantling of the black male father kind of, you know, kind of, you know, aligns with what you're talking about. Right. 
Now, as a as a conservative, is there anything that um, I mean, I know you just um, became the chairperson of the one organization. Is there anything that somebody just a, as a person just on the phone on the other end could help out? You know. Well, I, I would say absolutely. Um, within what we're doing within the Black Republican Club, it involves everyone. Like, like every, there's a lot of people that get kind of queasy when they see, you know, a Black Republican Club. They think it's like isolated and consolidated to one group, one demographic. No, that's not the case at all. The goal of our club is to educate people and let them know and inform them that within just key pieces of our actual amended rights of of our constitution black republicans have been involved within our very foundation of of our rights so by un, by being someone that by being anybody that that respects history and has the knowledge like yourself cuz i you know you've called multiple times and and dropped some some truth bombs on the folks on the right and left we need more people like yourself asking those those questions what can they do and just keeping their eyes out and getting involved when we do something our job is to create the the events and situations where we can bring people together have conversation have dialogue to have these discussions about what we value as conservatives together and how we can work together instead of which Mike, you know, this just like, you know, anybody else who has a critical thinking mind, there are people within the party that do not want to see this work because of their own personal narcissistic ego. True. This is true. Okay. Well, well, keep us informed of what's going on. So this way the, uh, the listeners out there can throw our two cents into this matter because it's very important. Absolutely, and keep, definitely. Thank you for uh, for the call, Mike. We will definitely have. We're going to have a an actual launch. Um, we're we're definitely looking to solidify the date. I would say February twenty third is actually when we're going to have like a meet and greet, and you know, folks can come out and. Um, align with with any type of support that that they can give just being uh, there um, or just communicating through anything that we put out socially through social media would be would be helpful Um, just showing that you don't care as an American what what your color is all you care about is the protection of your 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 liberties and your rights as a as an American it's the only way that's going to help support this this organization because other organizations out there, specifically the NAACP, which kind of hijacked that national anthem that we that we just played earlier. Yeah, the whole uh, that whole cause. Yes, yeah. yes. The well, the lift every voice uh, poem that was written for Abraham Lincoln. Uh, specifically by James Weldon Johnson, the NAACP has been doing a lot of meddling. Yeah, in their well, history. you know they're nakedly political. They are. They are definitely nakedly political. And I want to kind of take you back to how they came about, and maybe provide some context of what their overall goals were. And I, I pulled this information from their actual website. So if you go to the NAACP website, they will tell you who their founders are, who their founders were, and and kind of what their overall goal was. 
And what they won't tell you throughout the throughout the, our history is that one of their first public enemies was Booker T. Washington. And mind you, Booker T. Washington was a black man that built his own school by his own hands. Right, right. Yeah. Amazing story. Amazing story. If you follow, if you want to research any any American, it has nothing to do with color. Just American. Look into Booker T. Washington um, history and his story. Um, but I want to kind of read to you guys the just the overall um, foundation of leaders that the NAACP kind of came up with. So um, this is straight from their website. So in 1908, a a deadly race riot rocked the city of Springfield. Eruptions of anti-black violence, particularly lynching, were horrifically commonplace. But the Springfield riot was the final tipping point that led the creation of the NAACP. Appalled at this rampant violence of group of white liberals that uh, appalled at this rampant violence, a group of white liberals that included Mary White Ovington, and Oswald Garrison Villard, both the descendants of famous abolitionists, William English Walling and Dr. Henry Mosevich. Mind you, the, the, the names, if you kind of can register, they're not colored. A call for a meeting to discuss racial justice because they know more than black people what racial, racial justice should be or is. Some 60 people, seven of whom were African-American, seven of whom were African-American, including W.B. Du Bois, Ida B. Wells, Barnett, and Mary Church Terrell, signed the call, which was released on the centennial of Lincoln's birth. February 12, 1909, the nation's largest and most widely recognized civil rights organization was born. Echoing the focus of Du Bois' Niagara Niagara Movement of Civil Rights, which began in 1905 in NAACP, aimed to secure for all people the rights guaranteed the guaranteed in the 13th, 14th, 15th, 15th Amendments the United States Constitution, which promised to end to slavery, provide equal protection of the law and the rights of all men to vote respectively. According, accordingly, the NAACP mission is to ensure the political education, equality of minority groups, citizens and states, eliminate race prejudice. Prejudice. The NAACP works to remove all barriers, racial di- discrimination through democratic process. Now, I'm, I'm going to read to you the names. These names are very important because, again, I want you to, to recognize the common theme. I'm going to read only the white names and then I'm going to read the black names afterwards. Okay. okay. All right. Because this is this is all about black history and dividing and conquering, of course. So the names. All right. So in 1910. The board of directors were created. The president, his name was Morfield Story, a white constitutional lawyer and former president of the American Bar Association. Other members included Joel and Arthur Springham, Inez Millohan, Jane Adams, Florence Kelly, Sofonisba, that's a weird name, Hmm. Brickenbridge, never heard it, Brickenridge, never heard these people, but look them up on your own. John Haynes Holmes, Charles Edward Russell, John Dewey, William Dean Howell. Howells, Lillian Wald, Charles Darrell, Lincoln Stephens, Ray Stannard, Charles Darrell. Yeah, that that's the uh, the, the Scopes Monkey Trial. Oh, he's so you, he's the attorney. Okay, so you know that guy, uh, John Baker, Fanny Garrison, Villard, and Walter Sachs. Hmm. Okay. Sachs, Walter Sachs, Goldman Sachs. Ah, uh, okay. Goldman gotcha. Sachs, Walter Sachs. Now right. the other members, the black members. Mm-hmm. 
Josephine Ruffin, Mary Tolbert, Mary McLeod Bethune, George Henry White, and the W.E.B. Du Bois. Yeah. Out of all of those members, 90% of them were white. Now, mind you, this group was completely against Booker T. Washington and his ideology of conservatism. That list you just read. Mm-hmm. Okay. And W.E.B. Du Bois being on the list, I'm assuming that they're very closely aligned with uh, the early labor movement, which was uh, decidedly Marxist, mm-hmm. the international workers of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a um, it's a very it's a common theme of the type of people that align themselves with the boys and oppose Booker T. Washington. And when we come back, we're going to kind of go into that conflict. Like the W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington conflict is a huge reason why today we cannot talk about race. The conflict theory, the, the, the overall push to get you mad is a huge part of Marxist communism. That's right. It's all part of the division uh of the population make them more vulnerable get them quarreling among themselves and destroy unity more to, more to come on politically correcting jose's on vacation you got uh we've got uh lavelle lewis and yours truly and we'll be back on the wysl stations The quality of life we deserve in truth and freedom, informed by our Constitution, our laws, and traditions, we need to pick the best leaders possible. Recent experience certainly illustrates that. Free and accurate elections are essential if we're going to restore our society and safeguard our rights. New York Citizens Audit is a volunteer, nonpartisan group which has been lobbying for open source audits of the State Board of Elections and reform of the electoral process statewide. Did you know Citizens Audit has uncovered over 1 million felony violations of election law that in 2020, there were 625,000 more voter registrations than existing voting age citizens in just six New York counties, that there were 338,000 more votes cast than voters who voted. These are just a few shocking examples of the urgent need for reform. You can help. Visit AuditNY.com and learn the facts, how to volunteer, and make a difference in your community. Again, volunteer, donate, or spread the word. Start at AuditNY.com. That's AuditNY.com. The 2024 Batavia Down Summer Concert Series has been announced. Come see bands like Smash Mouth, The Bacon Brothers, 38 Special, April Wine, and country music star Clay Walker. There will also be tribute acts paying homage to Fleetwood Mac, Tom Petty, Hart, The Doors, Chicago, and Sticks. It's going to be a great summer, all summer long at Batavia Downs. Get more information and tickets today at BataviaConcerts.com. That's BataviaConcerts.com. If you're looking to market and grow your business, make new business connections, and give back to the community in a meaningful way, consider joining the Greece Regional Chamber of Commerce. We're the largest suburban chamber in Monroe County, and we offer networking, education, marketing, insurance, and advocacy. You do not need to live or work in Greece to join. Our members come from throughout the region. In short, we're better together, and together, we're moving business forward. Visit greasechamber.org or call 585-227-7272 to join today. 
Politically correcting. Yes, we are back. We are back attacking the historical organizations that claim to be black, but are not really black. They, you know, they've been getting away with claiming to be black for so many years. The NAACP. Well, I should, or maybe the the national. It should be called the National Association for the Advancement of Communist People. <laughs> right, exactly. Don't don't throw the colored in there because you're definitely not. Can't use that term people. anymore anyway. So Absolutely not. Let's, well, let's speak the truth. Exactly. Um, but just going back to the uh, the history of this this club or group, um, communism, Marxist ideology and ideas have been a part has been attacking this country since the NAACP, even before the NAACP was created. Going back to, you know, the the poster child for black Marxism, W.E.B. Du Bois, he was literally their puppet and pawn. And when you got a guy like Walter Sachs bringing in that money, and there's no money in civil rights injustice fighting. There isn't in it. Right. You, you you have to devote so much time and volunteer so much time to the people. Like what's 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 the fun in being a community servant if you're not getting paid? That's how these people kind of look at it. And um we're gonna go to a, a clip here where a, a gentleman by the name of Manning Johnson who actually joined the the Communist Party and realized what was happening and he had to expose the truth. We go ahead, Bob. And there are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn. It is our duty to arrest this development toward the concentration and centralization of power in Washington. If we do not arrest this development, then we're on the road to dictatorship. At the root of all racial unrest, in the country is the clammy, cold, bloody hand of communism. We must arrest it. And we must try to bring America back to sanity. And let us pray and work that misunderstanding, the bitterness, the hate, and the frustration, and the tension that exists may disappear and that the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of charity may prevail again amongst our people. What, what, how beautifully spoken. When was this, Lavelle? This was, uh, this was early 1920, around there. Wow. Boy, the more things change, the more they remain the, the same. The more they remain the same. Uh-huh. And this is why I say history is so important because th- he could literally say that today and it would resonate. It's a, it could have been recorded over the weekend. Yeah, it was like <laughs> And I, and it's it's sad that people miss this these types of uh people and they get swept under the rug and we bring up people like Du Bois and and we we spoke about MLK before, um, and he they I think they perfected it by the time MLK became what he became because they found someone that can kind of blur the lines and and kind of put 
put folks on their defensive, like, oh, he's a God-fearing man, so he's leading with religion. So therefore, he must be truthful in what he's what he's presenting to you. And lo and behold, he sold the he sold black Americans out to Lyndon B. Johnson and the war on poverty, which we we might talk about that on the next show. But going back to the NAACP and its communist ways, and and my goal today, and in, in you know while Jose's away and in Costa Rica and if he gets back into the States and has his card, his new <laughs> credit card, his new card, yeah, his new card, he'll be able to come back on the show and we can talk about all the other crazy stuff. But I, I'm, I want to read just this quick little editorial that a man named Elliot M. Rudrick wrote. He was an assistant professor of social welfare, Florida state university. And it's, um, it's archived on the JSTOR.org website, okay. the journalist website. They, they kind of, archive a whole bunch of editorials that have been written throughout the years of, um, you know, throughout history. And one section of this article, and it's about, it's about the relations between the NAACP and um, Booker T. Washington. And there's certain players within the, the, this conversation, white people that were attacking Booker T. Washington coming after him. And I just want to kind of get through this real quick. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Oswald Garson Villar. He was a grandson—just um, reading from the article. By 1909, Oswald Garson, Garrison Villard, grandson of William Lloyd Garrison, um, Garrison, believed that the time was ripe to encourage Negroes like W.E.B. Du Bois since the white journalist was becoming impatient not only with Booker T. Washington's conservative leadership, but also with his monopoly on leadership in his monopoly on leadership, he was connecting with folks like my great, great grandfather. They were creating different groups and organizations like the National Negro Bankers Association. Mr. Sachs didn't like that. Uh, National Negro Business League, the National Negro Bar Association, National Negro Retail Dealers. So they the the black Republicans created a foundation for for black folks to have the resources they need to make conscious decisions on how they can effectively navigate themselves as a conservative thinking individual black and, you know, American. God forbid you have that. Well, communists don't like individual thought. They do not. And independence. You and if, if the African-Americans, with their newly found freedoms and now educated and as participating members of society, are out there doing their thing, the WB Du Boises of the world are going to resist that. Oh, absolutely. They're going to resist it. And it has... Absolutely nothing to do with their overall agenda, which is social welfare, socialistic ideas, the state. Let's empower the state and not the people. And that's who W.E.B. Du Bois represented. So Mr. Garrison uh, Villard, uh, he, the white journalist, knowing that Washington could weaken the new organization. Booker T. Washington, we're talking Booker about. T. Washington could weaken the NAACP, was desirous of gaining his endorsement. Villard promised that the new group would not be allied exclusively with the radical Du Bois wing. Washington was invited to attend the opening session of the National Negro Committee Conference, but he declined. From the start, this is Washington, he had little intentions of lending his resources to a protest movement. He was more interested in progressive, constructive work rather than agitation and criticism. Prominent white friends such as Andrew Carnegie also eschewed 
the conference, which was considered anti-Washington by Mm -hmm. the New York press. This is in 1909. Right, right. So this has been this has been the trajectory of the NAACP since its beginning, since its beginning. Where do you think it has changed ever since that point? I can't think of any examples. Let's go back to recently where we have the Black Lives Matter movement. We have those people who literally were spawns of Du Bois. Amazing. It's incredible. Hey, you know what? We got to leave it there. But we'll be back on Wednesday with more Lavelle. Thanks for all the work you're doing on this. It's fascinating. Well, we had this is Black History Month, Bob. Yeah. This, Black History Month should be the truth. It should be the truth. And we will make sure you check these DEI boxes. DEI boxes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we'll be here to help you do just that. I'm Politically Correcting on the WISL stations. And see you Wednesday at 1.